0: Hi, my name is Micah Norgard, a yoga and meditation teacher in the Washington DC area, and this is Sacred Exchange, a podcast that tells the stories of those that have set out to heal themselves in different modalities. Each guest will focus on what set them on their path to healing and the why and how of that practice. From yoga to the healing arts, this is a sacred exchange of methods and tools to heal. Hi, everyone. Today, we are back here at Sacred Exchange. You know who I am. I'm Micah. And today, I'm joined by a very near, dear, close friend. I think I say that every single time. But as you're starting to get, probably the idea that I invite my friends onto the show that have truly inspired me have been a mentor or teacher just some way, some way have just shaped the person who I am today. And Jessica, which I'll I'll let her introduce herself in a minute is just one of those individuals. Um, Again, always seems to be embraced seems to be this, this web that spins a lot of these individuals together. But uh, yeah, we met at Embrace Yoga DC. As um, I was a student coming to one of her yoga classes. And then, you know, I heard through the grapevine that there was this Reiki thing and I'm like, what is this Reiki thing? And it was this wonderful training on, and I, we won't go too far in depth, but this beautiful energy healing practice and technique. And so I was hooked. I was in the Reiki one and shortly at Reiki two. So I got to go for that Reiki masters. Um, but a, a a friend indeed and a light in this world and yeah jessica go ahead and just let us know who you are
1: well thank you so much for that beautiful introduction micah Um, my name is jessica Mahler and i am a reiki master a breathwork facilitator a yoga instructor an author a tarot reader Um, i wear a lot of hats uh, but it all comes back to and everything I do, just really interested in energy, but also uh, emotions and feelings and and how to feel them fully, uh, acknowledge them, honor them. And that's been such a huge part of my practice. And I try to bring that into all the things that I do, no matter which hat that I am wearing. So um, thank you so much for having me.
0: It's truly I I was just so amazing that when you just agreed to come on, I was like, Oh, my Lord, my Reiki (laughs) master is coming on the show. And this is the person that has really helped me accept the lights, the shadows, the, the masculine, the feminine, however we see our energy and how there's so many different structures to explore them in, right. Um, You've really helped always been there, always just you know, being able to help me understand certain things. And I'm just very grateful that you are here to talk on such a really, really important topic that is sometimes very, very, very uncomfortable to talk about. Um, And that's grief. And I think it's just, you know, I think you said it when we were just talking before this, and it's very true. We're all grieving right now. So I know you're going to share on little bit about yourself and how us as everyday listeners, everyday human beings can uh, approach our grief. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so um, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart and it's uh, something that I've been really dedicated to exploring more, uh, not only in my own practice, but to bring it out into the world to make it more I don't think accessible is the right word, but uh, to kind of release the fear around making friends with grief. I think there's a lot of fear with the grieving process, um, whether that is the death of someone that you love, the loss of a job, um, the loss of life as you knew it, as many of us are experiencing right now, uh, thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, But I think that grief has so much to teach us. And because there's such a strong, like, I I hate having, to, I hate using the word fear again, but uh, just that there's such a strong fear with letting ourselves go there in terms of the depths of our emotions and the depths of what we're feeling, experiencing, when it, when it feels really overwhelming to feel whatever it is that we're feeling. And I think grief is one of those ones where um, even when we do experience it, we don't let ourselves feel it completely. And, uh, you know, before I I share a bit about my story, I was reading uh, an interview with Sheryl Sandberg uh, a few years ago. She had a book come out. Sheryl Sandberg is the COO of Facebook. And, I mean, I you know, think what you want about, about Facebook. I have my own, my own opinions, but, um, she wrote a book after her husband had, had passed with well, suddenly while they were on vacation and, and she's Jewish. And, uh, in the Jewish religion, you sh- you sit shiva, uh, after someone dies. And I don't remember. Um, I thought it was, I think it's all, I think it's a week that you sit shiva or a week that you see Shiva and people come to your home and i think it might extend out to a month but i'm not 100% on that I, I i feel like i remember her sitting a little bit longer than a week but whatever whatever the time is i remember in the article she said something about this expectation that she was supposed to go back to her life where she felt there was an expectation to to go back to her life as it was um, before he died and that she wasn't, she wasn't done grieving. She wasn't done mourning him. And that, you know, throughout the, 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 the course of the book and, and even the course of her life, she, the question is, will I ever be done mourning him? You know? And, uh, I think, and that was just so powerful to me. I've, I've experienced a lot of grief in my life. Um, the first person who died, who really like meant something to me that I had a like real connection with uh was my my paternal grandmother when I was nineteen. It was right before my twentieth birthday, and I had lost like uh relatives pr- prior to her, but when she died, it was like the first person I really knew, and it really shook me uh to the point where turning twenty like felt like I was turning 50. Um, it was like a huge birthday for me. And I think it was just because uh, my grandmother died like two or three weeks before uh, the big 2-0. And I remember um, I was going to to college in Boston. I was living in Boston at the time. And my my roommate, who was my best friend, um, who would also go on to die a few years later, um, she was away for the uh, the long weekend. And uh, it felt like it seemed like everyone forgot my birthday that year, and it was it was the one of the worst days of my life, um aside from like days where I got bad news about people who had died um but i I think that in my grief over my grandmother and and feeling forgotten about on on like this this big birthday to that to me kind of signaled this step into adulthood, right? You're not a teenager anymore, you're 20. Welcome to adulthood, you know? And it felt so, it felt like an initiation into like an unknown an unknown universe, an unknown world. And yeah, my grandmother died January that year. And then uh, the following Christmas, my grandfather died, and I ended up. Uh, I grew up with my my maternal grandparents. So, my grandfather died that following Christmas, and then uh, almost a year to the day afterwards, my my maternal grandmother died, uh, also around Christmas. So, like, like within within three years, all my grandparents that I had knew, known, and grown up with were gone. Yeah, my mom's parents helped raise me, so that was like they were. It was like lose. It was losing more than a grandparent. It was losing almost like losing a parent and so um not too long after my grandmother died um my best friend who was my roommate in college that that sophomore year she died uh it was a a complicated death but um somewhat somewhat drug related uh by the time I'd gradu- right when I graduated college, she had died. And then, uh, fast forward eight years later, my best friend from childhood died of an overdose. And so, grief has kind of just been this thing that I have had to deal with on a really visceral level uh, with, with people who meant so much to me. And I, I know I'm not alone in that. But what was lonely was, uh, especially after my my best friend from college died. Being so young, uh, I was 22 at the time. She was 21. And going through such intense grief, like losing your grandparents, you like know it's going to happen. Um, But losing a best friend, you just don't think it's going to happen that young. And it really was a lonely experience because no one I knew knew her. Uh, some people, some friends of mine had met her, were like visiting me when they came up to visit in college. Being 22 and losing a best friend, like, that's like a harsh, a harsh reality that a lot of people don't know what to do or how to talk about it. And so I felt at the time very... Very quiet about my feelings because it didn't seem like anyone was going to know how I felt. And in that in that quietness, I don't think I really processed all the grief that I was experiencing because I still didn't know how to talk about it. I still, you know, even though I was twenty two and quote unquote an adult, there still was so much life experience that I had not had yet uh, to be able to understand uh, just how. Deeply, that experience hurt me. <laughs> and I think that once my, my my other friend died when I was 30, uh, I had a little bit more life experience and a little bit more, maybe kind of having experienced more of the emotional landscape of what it is to be a human being by the time I was 30, I think really helped me in the grieving process, which seemed to take over me, I I felt like I had no no choice but to surrender to what I was feeling and and the waves the waves that would come. Some of them, some of them, I knew they were coming on, and sometimes it would just it would just happen out of nowhere. It was a very uh, eye opening and very interesting experience, but one of the most powerful experiences of my entire life. I don't think I'd be here talking to you right now um, had I not gone through the death of my childhood best friend um, at 30 and having to go through all those waves and be present for them.
0: And I can definitely relate with you, you know, someone that was definitely raised by their maternal grandparents and lost both of them. And that was really the first loss of connection, I really felt to mm-hmm. someone so close to me, someone so near and dear that it was just hard to even ever fully explain. And I find that as a parallel of yours and mine, and probably one of the main reasons maybe I was even attracted, mm-hmm. you know, to that energy of yours. Um, you say that it was, you know, all these points, all these anchors in your past of grief, you know, and loss you know, when we do the work, we definitely realize that the, that these do make us who we are today. We, we start to recognize them. When was that time? You said, you know, after losing your childhood friend at the age of 30, which is Mm -hmm. remarkably like hard, a childhood friend at the age of 30, that is a very long connection. And that loss is felt. What, what flipped your switch on where you were able to actually sit with your grief? and be with it what what did it take
1: it took moving to a whole other country and not knowing anybody (laughs) um yeah i i was i had planned to move to toronto uh before i got the news of her death and i was getting ready for it and she ended up dying uh two weeks before my move toronto to me Um, I had always kind of romanticized this idea of moving to a new place, a new city without knowing anybody. I'm from New York and I moved to Toronto from New York and I worked in the city. Um, I've had many jobs in New York city and I had many of them kind of handed down. New York is very much about who you know, uh, and DC is like that too, to an extent, but in New York, I had a lot of friends in a lot of different places. And I felt like I had a lot of help in getting as far as I got in my career, which at the time was journalism, uh, copy editing for a bunch of different magazines and websites. And so to me, I really, I really wanted to challenge myself to kind of start all over from scratch. And so I decided I was going to do it. And um, like, You know, I I knew a couple of people in Toronto and and one of the people that I knew had a room open up and I was like, I'm taking it. It's time. This is a sign. I'm going to do it. And everything was in motion. And then my friend died. And a lot of people wondered or, you know, asked me, is that still a good idea to move right now? And I was like, yes, (laughs) get me the fuck away from here. Uh, i don't want to be around anything that reminds me of her. I just need need to like go and be by myself, be with my thoughts, and Toronto was that place, you know, kind of like running to a cave <laughs> um, and i had like i had I had interaction with people, I made friends, um, but it was a very isolating experience and you know all the all the decisions I made at that time. I wanted to be isolated. I, I didn't want to, there's almost like, I felt like I was burdening my friends after a certain point of like reaching out to them when I felt a wave come on. Uh, Many of my friends were there for me at the time and I really am so grateful to them for their love and support and for being there. Um, but after some time I could, I could tell that, they were uncomfortable still talking about this or, uh, you know, having to talk me down from an, an anxiety spiral, a panic spiral an emotional spiral. And so I, it's funny one like the most powerful experience I can recall while being in Toronto uh, was feeling a wave come on me reaching for my phone to call somebody and just being so overcome and overwhelmed with emotion that I would flip through like the numbers that I transferred over from my American phone to my Canadian phone. And there weren't that many. I didn't, I kind of was like doing a a weeding out process too of like who I was keeping in my life and who meant the most to me. Um, And that's a powerful practice in and of itself. Um, but yeah, like
0: indeed it is, Indeed <laughs> it is. I think that's another boundary lesson that you taught me very well.
1: It was very, very freeing, but I, I would in those times, um, where I would have these emotions come up and I, you know, like the, the knee jerk reaction from the beginning was to call somebody to like be, to be in it with me, to help me understand what I was feeling or just talk me through it. I got to this point where when I picked up the phone and I would scroll scroll through my, my, my list of contacts, I was like, I don't even know who I want to call right now. And also, I don't even know what I want to say. And so I would put the phone down and I would just kind of like sit with it and wait. And I was like, you know, kind of meditating on maybe this person is the person I call. Maybe this person is the person I call. And then be like okay well what do i say what am i feeling right now and so often um there weren't words there just weren't words to express what i was feeling i would just kind of be present for whatever was coming through and then within a few seconds it was gone and i was like huh i guess i didn't need to call anybody you know and and that happened you know, after I thought the first time it happened, it kept happening. And it was like this really almost kind of like an out of body experience, like to watch myself grab the phone, scroll through, who do I want to call? I don't actually want to talk to anybody right now. Let me just see what happens. And then a few seconds later, like the, the rumble would have been, would have died down and wouldn't be there anymore. And, and so I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> I don't. I don't. It's not that I'm telling people to move to a new country when you're experiencing grief, but I think that the answer is to find alone time. It's like the most counterintuitive thing to do. I really. I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you right now had I not lived in Toronto at that time, right after my best friend's death to have gone through those waves to be have been by myself and proved to myself that I could handle it, it wasn't going to kill me, I would be able to get through it. And yeah, it was, it was like one of the hardest times of my life. And it was also like the most magical time of my life.
0: And, you know, as someone who has also dealt with a lot of grief, and just, you know, needing to heal, himself. Um, I I have found a common and you know, you know how I am, I love to hear stories of people healing and just the most one of the most common threads that I hear throughout someone who just needs to heal is this isolation factor that you talk about And the isolation factor does not have to be as grand as moving to another country, it can be simply, literally setting up uh, appropriate boundaries and allowing yourself to turn off the phone to withdraw even inside your own home to like you said sit with the grief and allow yourself to be the witness and just see how your body reacts how your mind reacts instead of just acting right yeah yeah and so i want to i want to really thank you for sharing like just your your story of grief and just build it you know that's and powerful enough as it is by just Mm -hmm. sharing the story right your way of dealing with this through isolation is like I said, it's a common amazing thread. And what was, what allowed you, my next question is, and this might be a little bit hard to answer, (laughs) but I don't, I don't think it is for you personally. um, (laughs) But what allowed yourself to be the witness? Like, was this something that it just, Oh, like, because I know for me it was an culmination of, many different types of practices and mindfulness and awareness and intuition building. That was it was finally like this almost aha moment where, like you said, it was like, I could step back and be like, Oh, that's anger. Wow, that's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's, let's not let this escape my body uh, through foul language and th- throwing and breaking things. Uh, that's a little bit of a chapter of my past there. Um, <laughs> and instead, my my favorite thing and kind of how I, I i do it in my head is i call it flipping the switch
1: mm-hmm.
0: and where i i sit back in my mind body spirit and just go oh anger what is this coming from what is the root of this and dissecting it and exploring it and then by the time i'm done i'm just i've witnessed it i've processed it and i'm just like oh wait what was i doing here? oh no yeah. that's nothing But I wasn't able to do that before. And it was through all these different practices, whether it was yoga. And I know that you practice Reiki and so many other different amazing and brilliant type of self-care practices, which we could probably have a whole episode on just (laughs) those.
1: Uh Um,
0: But if, you know, briefly, just tell us like what you envision, you know, for the listeners and for yourself as a way that, they could, you know, not be that individual that is causing burnout for someone else like a friendship, because as myself being someone with PTSD, as well as TBI, I have been that what I would consider myself, even I had the negative thought patterns of like, Oh, man, I am a succubus or an incubus, you know, like that, Mm -hmm. just that vampire sucking like energy away from people because of my downward spirals and stuff. What could everyday listeners do to be that witness, step back and confront their grief, even though it might be uncomfortable, but to confront it on their own?
1: First, I just want to say that at the time, um, I was not a Reiki master. I don't I don't even think I knew what Reiki was at the time. Um, I had never practiced breath work. I did not know how to read tarot cards. I was had none of the tools that I have today, so it was very, it was just I guess very intuitively led. And I think the the thing that allowed me to be a witness was just this, this burning inside of me to write it all down. It's a, my my best friend's death is a really complicated story that started years before she actually died, and so I would go to a coffee shop every day when I was in Toronto for anywhere from two to four hours. And I would just write in my journal, the story of uh, how I found out that she died, all the things leading up to her funeral. I wrote down everything I could remember of all the incidents that happened prior to her death that led to it. I really felt I felt like I had to get our story down it was a really It was a really beautiful cathartic experience. I mean anyone who saw me in the coffee shops back then definitely saw me crying uh, uh like every day and i I tried to go to a different coffee shop every day so that people wouldn't think I was some crazy emotional girl <laughs> uh i think for for anyone who's who is grieving something today. And, um, and, I, and I also just wanna say that like, grief isn't just about losing people to death. It's The end of relationships, it's the end of a job. It's the end of life as you know it. I think a majority of us are going through a grieving experience right now. And some people are coming to terms with it and other people are kind of ignoring or hoping things will go back to the way they were before COVID happened. Uh, but I think that's something that anyone can do when they realize that they're grieving. And and I think that some we can be in grief and not realize that we're grieving. And sometimes we have to be in it a while before we realize that it's grief. Uh, and sometimes we won't recognize it as grief at all. But if you are experiencing a really intense time and you recognize it as grief, to me, I think grief just, is it shows us the end of one chapter before a new chapter is about to start.
0: No, you've definitely, you've definitely taught me to, I hate to sound so cliche, but (laughs) you know, when one door closes, another one is going to open. Mm -hmm. And you taught me this sense of vulnerability and receptivity. To be always receptive was just this common theme throughout all your Of your trainings, all your classes, all your practice, everything that you offer is just this intuition building of trusting the inner teacher, trusting yourself and not judging yourself and just really at the core of everything, self-acceptance. I really want to thank you for sharing, you know, your, your past story and, you know, how you sit with the grief, which is really hard to do. And whether you have to sit with the grief in silence, sit with the grief with tarot, sit with the grief as you write down journaling, what could everyday person that is listening, what is a, a general practice that each day, if they're dealing with grief, how could they approach it?
1: Like I said, if you're in grief and you, and you realize you're in it, it's, this, this practice won't really be helpful unless you realize you're grieving. But if you're, if you're in it and you realize that you're in it, I think it's a really helpful practice to take out a notebook and identify the person you were before you felt this intense experience, before you felt like cut to your knees, before you felt like you were really struggling to breathe. Because. In Chinese medicine, grief is associated with the lungs. Could talk about that some other time. But to identify the person that you were before the grief came on and, and identify how the, the loss or, this, uh, or the growth um, that you're experiencing might be shifting the core of who you are what it's transforming in you and that i know that sounds like a really kind of big idea to journal about but when my friend died it just for me for me personally and i don't know what anyone else's story is going to be but for me personally i i recognized so many of her own shortcomings a lot of it having to do with self-esteem and self-confidence Feelings of being accepted, and I definitely struggled with all those things myself. But I also recognized that I was carrying a lot of her weight, and I I allowed a lot of her stuff to affect me, or the way that she not not necessarily her past, but her her beliefs and her opinions. And I recognized how they affected me, and how they were holding me back, how they were holding me down, and the part of myself that I was kind of like ready to shed with her being gone. And I think that it's it's definitely not an easy exercise. But I think that whenever, you know, even if you don't know how it's transforming you at the time, to write down what you're scared about letting go of, to write down what you're scared of, about how this experience might change you. Because often, we're scared about the things that matter the most to us. We're scared to really step more fully into ourselves and into our power. And, and really, I think grief just is this teacher that helps us to move forward. As again, counterintuitive as that might seem. It's letting go of an old version of us to step into a more wiser and with that, a more powerful version of us.
0: I cannot thank you enough for coming on here and sharing such just, a I you know, a paragraph of your story <laughs> of all these, not even a chapter. I feel like we could talk forever just on, on this for <laughs> another 45, 50 minutes. Who knows? I just want to say thank you so much. And um, as always, uh, in your own way, uh, whether it's a salutations or a greeting,
1: we just really want to honor your, your path, your journey, and whatever grief that you might be learning from in this moment or moments before. And just thank you for sharing in this experience with us been such an honor to be able to share this with you all
0: jessica thank you again so much for sharing that just a little bit a part of you and if listeners want to get a hold of you they want to reach out they want to know more about grief or working with you personally at least just getting to know you a little bit more and follow your story how can listeners find you how can they get in contact with you
1: Sure. Well, you can visit my website, www.jessicamahler.com. There is, there's a lot of information about me and what I offer there, breathwork, Reiki, tarot, private yoga, whatever. And uh, I also, there's an option to join my newsletter if you want that. And uh, often it's like a Dharma talk um, plus updates on events and workshops and classes that I might be teaching um, but you can also find me on social media and Instagram. Uh, my handle is live underscore your underscore light. Live your light. And that's how you can find me.
0: Again, thank you so much, Jessica and listeners until next time. Thanks for listening to the Sacred Exchange podcast. Make sure you leave a review in comments below. And if you were inspired and felt the call to share a part of your healing story, Use the email in the description and reach out. Until next time, keep unraveling, keep learning, and remember your breath, your energy, and divinity.